Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. You got me shaking, yeah, I feel the fever coming on. Oh, you know you're all Keep saying that Hi. Okay, so when we last left off, my booty call with Hubba Hubba had abruptly ended. And sadly, I haven't heard a peep from him. It's been almost a week and nothing. So what now? Do I text him? A couple friends have suggested that I text him. My friend Adam actually wants me to text him and tell him off, but I'm not doing that. I had prayed for the universe to take him away if he wasn't good for me. And I think that's what's happening here. I think it's time to move on, but can lightning strike twice? Can I find another hubba hubba situation? Do I even want one? I mindlessly turned to Instagram because isn't that where all the answers are? I open the app and the first image in my feed is a butt, a naked woman's butt. And lo and behold, right there, I find the answer to all of my questions. No, the butt is not the answer. It's the woman attached to the butt. My friend Jackie, it's Jackie's butt. Now, who's Jackie? Why does she have the answers? And why is her naked butt on my Instagram feed? Good questions. I met Jackie in a business training program for coaches. Jackie's a passion coach. In line with her brand, she also has a very popular OnlyFans page, which she teases on Instagram. So my feed is often full of scantily clad Jackie. And I know Jackie will have the answers I'm seeking. So this week, we cross work with a passion coach off the list. Because I don't want to wait until I'm in a relationship to have more passion in my life. I want it now. So listen in as I talk to Jackie. I think you're going to love her take on life, love, and sex. I'm craving more passion in my life. And I know you can help me figure out how to do that. So thank you. Yeah, I certainly can. And you know, I, you're not alone. So many women in their 40s and 50s and even 60s have the same thing. And even those in relationships, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I need something that's really got some fire and some spirit to it. It's a very interesting phenomenon that happens in these decades of our lives. Yeah. I think even like, I remember researching when I was married, like bring the spark back, you know, there's, and, and that was even in my thirties. So I feel like everybody goes through a phase where they are craving more passion. Yeah, for sure. And it's a great thing because passion is it, it's it's the, the instrument to sort of um, our desires and there's so much power behind passion, right? I think it opens us up to the best of ourselves. It's a way to your highest potential. It's an amazing thing. So I think to really look at it as a really good thing, first and foremost, is, is the key, whereas so many people have been told to kind of make that a secondary thing that we seek. But the, the first thing is to make peace with it and, and make sure that you realize truly that it is okay and it is good. Yeah. So the first thing is to remove any shame, any stigma, any preconceived notions about one night stands, uh, sex with strangers, all of that. Okay. And I'm going to get a little bit more into that just to make sure that nobody sort of misconstrues what I'm saying. But 
The first thing is to get rid of the stories that we've been told and that we tell ourselves about it. It's actually extremely empowering to have some great unattached sex. It's very empowering if you stick to some very basic principles and very strict with yourself on these. Number one, have standards, but not expectations. And do not deviate from your own standards. And standards differ for all of us. And we get to decide what our standards are about something, right? And people have these expectations of going into something. No, you must have standards. Either this person does or doesn't meet your standards. Simple end of story. And expectations about somebody else. You have no control over that. So for when we are doing this, uh, sort of um, having some fun in our lives, that's the number one key. Uh, the second one is be responsible, but not sensible. When you go through life sensible, you're going to have no fun whatsoever, no sex, and no enjoyment, in my opinion. However, we have to be very responsible for our own lives and for those that we take care of. So responsibility means really checking in with your, with your instincts and your intuition. And the problem is, is that so many women who really, really, really want love or really, 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 really want to get laid, whatever it is, we will compromise radically on our standards and we will ignore our intuition because the small self takes over. And, you know, I'm, I, in the face of all of my talk and, and, and stuff about sex and, and, you know, body and all of that, that I'm a very spiritual person. And I believe that we have to be in tune with the higher self all the time. Otherwise, we're going to make stupid decisions that get us into trouble and get other people into trouble. So that's what, if you can go into a uh, one night stand or a fling with a stranger that you can be unattached with, with having your standards intact, and having zero expectations of how they react to you, have your standards in, intact, have your self-confidence strong, and be responsible, oh my gosh, then let yourself have some fun. Because when you do that, it is very empowering. You're in control of your emotions. You've made a decision to let yourself have some fun. These things are empowering. And the act of sex is an empowering thing as long as we're not compromising on our standards and our responsibilities. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. And making sure that we stay safe, like this is really important. You know, I've made enough mistakes to know. I've, there's been times I remember, you know, one o'clock in the morning being at some guy's place in, in downtown LA and going downstairs. He didn't even come down to, to wait for my Uber. I'm standing on the street corner in downtown LA with homeless people yelling in the distance and everything all by myself at like one or two in the morning. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And I got into the Uber and I said to myself, Jacqueline, what the hell are you doing? Like this, was, this has got nothing to do with the guy being a dick. This is you. You made this decision. You put yourself in this situation. You better make sure you don't do this again. And I, you know, I'm just lucky that all the times that I have not been responsible, I've lived to tell the tale. Not everyone is that lucky. So we really need to be super tuned into these things. How do you get a one night stand? So flirtation, when you were talking about how does one uh, feel sexy and tap into one's passion and so on when you're not in a relationship. So flirtation for me is key, but again, with zero expectations, if you can go through life having fun flirting, but not expecting it to either be reciprocated or for it to result in some sex or in a relationship, you can have so much fun and that personality will attract whatever it is that you're wanting to attract. 
So the learning how to flirt well yeah. is, and being confident as a flirter. And again, the huge thing of that is the zero expectation element of it, right? Right. Because if you're going into flirting, hoping you're going to get a response or hoping it's going to work, that's you know not going to serve you very well because you're going to feel deflated and rejected. It's rather just saying it for complimenting somebody for the sake of complimenting them, not to get something back. Right. When we can get this level of self-awareness and self-assuredness down, life can be just so much fun. Okay. I can see that. Knowing myself, part of the struggle, aside from not having much um, experience in, in being a successful flirter, but I'm willing to learn, is this not having any expectation or hope? Like the hope that it's going to turn into something is what usually takes me out of the game. Because if I see them be reciprocal, it's like, oh my gosh, this could be something. And my mind starts to create a story around what it could be. So I know it's easier said than done, but are there any, you know, tips or thoughts, maybe like the more people you do it with, the less attached because it becomes more of like a numbers game or do you have any thoughts on how to, how to keep the expectations low or out of the picture? Yeah. Well, the first one is keep playing. So many women will meet somebody, feel a connection that night and then stop flirting with other people or looking at, you know, swiping the next day, waiting and hoping that this is the one that's going to work out. So why bother? Don't stop. Continue to go through life, flirting, making contact with people and having fun. And, uh, and if it's a dating app, continue to be communicating with other people. Have a lot of fish on the line, as it were. Yeah. Uh, and that's really important. And so, and it's, it's again, it's just self-awareness. It's catching oneself like, oh, there I go, creating a story around this. And it's a wonderful thing to, to have imagination and visualization. As we both know from our personal development studies, it's an essential thing. However, when it comes to relationships, it has to be a nameless, faceless thing. It has to be the feeling that we tap into as opposed to an actual person who has an identity. It's the feeling of what it's like to be in a relationship. It's the feeling of what it's like to be desired by everybody. And when we can tap into that feeling and not associate it with one person in particular, then we're drawing it to us. And we're open to all possibilities that the universe have, has in store for us. Okay, that makes good sense. Okay, how about some tips on flirting? So the first thing is make eye contact with a smile. And that's it. Again, zero expectations. When we make eye contact and we smile and someone smiles back at us, that's an indication to say, hey, how are you doing today? Or, you know, gosh, those are some tough bicep curls that you're doing or whatever, Right. It's, it's really just being very subtle initially, especially as a woman, because I do, I was listening to your, your last podcast and, you know, personally, I don't think women should, should propose to men. I mean, there are no rules. People can do whatever they want. And I'm sure there's lots of successful relationships that began that way. For me personally, I, I like to let men do the chasing and I counsel all my clients, let men do the chasing. It's a very biological, important thing. But if you're wanting to make contact with somebody, keep it subtle. It's a smile and an eye contact. And if there is a smile back and a response back or they say something back, now you can continue. Otherwise, drop it right there. Totally drop it, move it out of your mind and move on to something else. That's really um, an important part of flirting. The other thing is everybody loves a compliment, right? So if you're looking for something to say to somebody, just compliment them. And then again, 
Just compliment them because you genuinely feel that about them, not because you're looking for some reward back to you. And when we can get that down, it's truly extraordinary. No, I see that. It's interesting because I was looking at how I want to feel, right? Kind of like you were talking about, how do you want to feel in a relationship? You know, focus on that instead of the person. And I was thinking, how do I want to feel on a daily basis, right? And that's, that was kind of the passion thing that came up. And I would describe it as cheeky. You know, I, I, and I feel that way when I perform stand-up comedy, there's certain times of my experience, my, my existence that I feel cheekier than others. And it's like, Ooh, I want to feel like that because from that energy, whatever I'm doing just feels fun. Maybe I can embody that when I'm out. And I feel like that would be more of an attractive energy probably. I love that, Rachel. That's so great what you just said. That makes so much sense. It kind of reminds me of the book Alter Ego. And uh, you're sort of stepping into an alter ego. And that's how a lot of people have gotten very successful. You know, Beyonce had her alter ego because she had to, because in her mind, she was a church girl who was singing in the choir. And she had to create a whole other persona in order to become Beyonce on the stage that we know. And uh, there's the there's, uh, same thing with Kobe Bryant. He created the whole Mamba thing. It enabled him to step into that persona and perform at that level. So why not do it for the simple act of, of flirtation and becoming a more engaging human? I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I've noticed that I've been attracted energetically to some like pop stars and athletes. And I realized I'm not necessarily because, you know, they're like, early thirties. I'm not judging it. I'm not making it wrong, but I'm kind of like, what is that about? And I realized, oh, I'm attracted to their energy because I want to embody that myself. It's not really even about them. And so I could see making them kind of like an alter, you know, ego energy that makes a lot of sense. So, okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. And I like definitely, it. I don't know, do you go younger on your dating apps? Yeah. I, um, I, I don't discriminate. Okay. That's good. Because uh, younger men, uh, when a woman is in her forties, it can be like the most extraordinary, uh, experience and match. Okay. I'm open to that. Any other thoughts on either how you dress or how you handle your body so that you can really continue to be proud of it as we age? Oh, I think the first thing to know is that we have to be very uh, understanding of ourselves and that it's, it's how you feel. How you feel about yourself determines your entire life that determines whether you're going to get laid or get in a great relationship or make money or whatever. It's how you feel about yourself. So I've always taught the sort of five or seven, depending on how deep one wants to go, S's of sexy. And the first few are what I call the shallow shit, right? The first one is there's, there's sweat, there's sustenance, there's style, there's sleep, and then there's sexuality, sensuality. And so the first one is when we are taking care of our bodies, when we're working out and exercising, and it doesn't have to be crazy anything, just are you doing enough to feel good? That's all. And uh, that's good for you and, and nurtures you. And for me, combining that with nature is so key to me feeling good. And then the second one um, is sustenance. What do we put in our bodies? And we all know that that is so much more connected to everything in our lives that we have, than we have ever actually acknowledged. It's such a key thing. So that affects how we feel more than anything, I think, is the food we eat, when and how we eat it, uh, the thoughts that we have when we eat it. It's all of that. 
Then, um, you know, sleeping, we've got to make sure that we have good night's sleep. Going to bed early to me is like, key. I, I'm so used to people calling me like granny or, you know, <laughs> so boring, whatever. Cause I, I, I'm going to bed at eight if I'm tired. I don't care, you know, and, uh, sleep is, is very, very important. So the other sh- part of the shallow shit is style. So yes, the, the clothes we wear again, attached to how does it make you feel? Not attached to what anybody else thinks, not attached to what's currently in the news magazines. How does it make you feel? And that matters. And so when we wake up every day and we're putting on sweatpants and and a t-shirt, there comes a time when I think we catch ourselves and go, this is not making me feel good. I need to feel better. And just a simple thing like switching up our clothes can make us feel good. Even going and buying a couple of new little t-shirts or cute little things that don't cost very much money can totally give you a new pep in your step. The hair, the nails, you know, all of that is it, at least it doesn't have to be perfect, but at least are we feeling good when we're out there or when we're looking at ourselves in the mirror? Because again, it's how you feel. It's determining everything in your life. And so that's hugely attached to confidence and confidence is where it's at. There is nothing sexier than confidence. When you're being a stand-up comedian and you tap into that cheeky, you're super confident because you know you love it, you know you're good at it, and so you're confident, which helps you to feel that kind of cheeky, I've got life by the tail feeling, right? Yeah. So doing all these shallow things to increase our confidence, our sexy confidence, is so, so key. And then, of course, the sexuality part, which is involves a lot of of making sure that we let go of any shame and any nonsense that we've been raised with and that our society is riddled with and, uh, and really claiming our own and being prepared to have to be criticized and opening up to one night stands and playing with your vibrator and all of these things, you know, comprise the sexuality part, which can really help us to, I don't know about you, but when I've had a great sex, the next morning I've just got a pep in my step, like, you know, nothing else. It's great. That's how I feel after a good comedy set. So I can only imagine if I could find, you know, this amazing opportunity, which I've been depriving myself of. So why have you been depriving yourself of it? Um, A couple things. There was definitely judgment for a while. Not on other people. Like, you know, I've shared in the podcast, I'm envious of people that can do that without, for, for a long time, I believed that I wouldn't be able to find someone that would meet my standards that I could, you know, have that experience with that I wouldn't immediately fall in love with. You know, I would, I would attach to. I actually had that experience, not love, but I had that experience. And that's what kind of started this podcast as I shared it way back in season one, where I couldn't, I couldn't separate in my mind, allowing someone the gift of, you know, sleeping with me that I wouldn't want more of, that wouldn't want more of me, right? Like I just, It was that whole expectations, the hope, the attachment, that piece kept me for a long time. I protected myself because I go, Rachel, anyone that you're going to, I mean, I had many opportunities to sleep with people that I didn't want, like care about, but I was worried if I liked someone and I slept with them, then it would just be devastating if it didn't continue. So I really shut that part down for, you know, the last been over, over a year now, you know, it's been 15 months almost. Well, I think we have to be very understanding of ourselves first and foremost. Number one, it's biological. We're, we're hardwired to nest to do that's biological. And so we need to understand that. 
And number two, we have a lot of societal conditioning to deal with. So these two are very real things. And I think when we don't try to deny something, don't try to force it to change, when we really understand ourselves and give ourselves some, some compassion and, and stuff around that, uh, then it's more, more likely that we're going to naturally have a nice experience next time around. Whereas when we're sort of resisting something and, and, and going, I wish I could change this, it's only going to get stronger. So I think you just totally understand where it comes from and be cool with it. And maybe the next guy you do meet is somebody you're going to fall in love with. Maybe it isn't. Who knows? You need to be open to it all and trust. You know, the, the, the big thing about all of this is faith, right? It's, it's when you said we have to give up hope and expectations, I immediately thought, yeah, but not faith because giving up hope that that guy is the guy is super key. Don't even attach that to it initially. Whichever guy you go to, meet him and let him be in the moment with anybody and let them show you who they are and be unattached to that. But all the while, your faith knowing that you have asked the universe, whatever it is, life for something, know that it is coming and it is coming at the right time. And when we know that, you know what they say, that faith is, is letting go of when it happens because you know it's going to happen. And so you're no longer impatient about it or desperately seeking it because you just, your job is to go out there and meet people and have fun. And life's job is to, when you are doing that and putting yourself out there, to present you with what you need at the time. And when it is not for a long-term relationship, it's because that's not what we need at that time. We think we do. But for some reason, we are actually not ready. So you've got to trust life, God, whatever it is that one calls it, and, and know that, that with faith, whatever you've asked for is coming. Therefore, you can really lighten up about what's going on day to day. It's hard for me to lighten up because as you're talking, I'm thinking, I'm out of practice. So there's definitely a fear that like, it's not going to be great. So I want somebody that I can like connect with. So it can be great. But then that makes me think that I will like them even more, which facilitates the problem. And then the other thing is I end up being in my head so much instead of in my body, because I'm like, is this right? Is this sexy? What's happening? You know, like I just imagine getting in my own way and just like messing up the whole experience for myself. So yeah, there's a lot of like blockers. Oh, I know. And as women, we all do that. Oh, I hope this is sexy or does this look sexy or am I, is this good? You know, and men aren't noticing that when a guy wants to have sex, he's not noticing that you didn't shave your legs last night or that, you know, you've, you've got an extra tire around your middle because you had a, you know, a vacation and a blowout. Like they don't notice that when they want to have sex and they're attracted to you, they don't notice all the shit that we freak out about. And therefore we have a bad experience sexually because we're so in our heads and not just letting it be enjoyable and wonderful. So there's that. The other thing is, is that it's super key to remember that nothing has to last forever to be perfect. And again, this is part of our imprinting, our societal imprinting, that only a long-term relationship matters. That's utter, utter bullshit. Some people that I have known for one night have been transformative in my life. And, uh, and I've had some amazingly beautiful connections with people that have only lasted a day or two. You know, I met a guy, um, he was a, a heart surgeon. I met him uh, at the Four Seasons in Marrakesh. And um, we had two and a half days together or nights together. He was there with his teenage kids. I was there for a whole week, but we only met on the Wednesday. And I was leaving on the Saturday. 
And we had this beautiful romance. It was just lovely and so great. And I had to tell myself that it, to force it to last any longer would probably destroy the romance and the beauty and the passion of that moment. And I can look back on that relationship with so much, oh, love. And, and we were supremely connected and we stayed in touch afterwards, but it was never going to go anywhere. We live so far away from one another, different worlds, different lives, different everything. But to be able to enjoy it for what it was, it will remain one of my great memories, as have, you know, all my lovers have been the greatest adventures of my life. I would have missed out on the majority of my life had I not been willing to go all in and to just love passionately, even if it was for one night. And do I believe that's love? Yes, I do. Other people are like, oh, it's only love if it lasts. Absolute bullshit. We talk about love is what makes the world go round, loving and uh, strangers. Well, then why is it not love when you have a beautiful one night stand with somebody that doesn't last beyond that? When we can change the story we're telling ourselves about this, it's going to be very different for you. And I love that you called your lovers your adventures because I am a big traveler. I, and I know you are too. I love travel and I look at those as my adventures. And usually it's sufficient. It's not like I'm like, oh, I want to move there. It's just kind of like, that was a beautiful week that I spent in Manchester. That was a beautiful week that I spent, you know, I'm going to Atlanta in a couple of weeks. Like, I'm not going to want to move there, but I get to taste it and experience it and the adventure of it. And then I get to come home with all the lessons and experiences. And I guess I can look at some sexual experiences of men as travel also. Yes, Rachel. Oh my God. That's, I love that analogy. That's so freaking perfect. Yes. You know, we, it's so, so simple in life to change the story we're telling about us, uh, ourselves about something. And the minute we change the story we're telling ourselves about something, we can totally transform and have a different experience. I love that. Okay. I'm going to tell you a little story quickly about the, the Marrakesh yeah. thing, because it's also yeah. tied to sexy confidence. And we're talking about how does one sort of tap into that and, and you know, flirt and all of that. Uh, and I, it was really hot. It was July when I was in Marrakesh. And I would plop in and out of the pool on my pool days. I'd have one day sightseeing, pool day, sightseeing day, pool day. My whole week was like that. And so on my pool day, I'd plop in every half an hour or so to cool down. And then I'd lie in the sun, uh, drinking champagne, whatever. And on this particular day, it was on the Wednesday, I noticed this sexy badass guy sort of on my left and, uh, and that he was there with teenage kids and he was smoking a stogie and he was drinking a beer and he had a big tattoo on his arm and he, was, he sort of looked like this badass guy. And so I did notice him because he was very noticeable, and, but I didn't think anything of it. And so I w was doing my little pool plop in and um, swimming to the, to the end. It was a huge long pool. And I, as I was about to get out at the steps and walk back to my chaise, I noticed he was swimming behind me and that I was going to have to get up those stairs in my teeny weeny blue polka dot bikini and my, at the time, like 53-year-old ass or whatever, you know, hanging out <laughs> the sides of it. And, uh, and I was mortified for a split second because I thought, oh, oh God, I have to get up and walk out these stairs with my bum right there in his face. And he's right behind me. And I was just like, I went, I shriveled into this small little nothingness. And luckily, because of all the work I've done on myself and help people with, I instantaneously caught myself. And I was like, Jacqueline, what the hell are you doing? And I thought, Change the story. And so I went to this imagery of Elle McPherson back in the 90s walking on the runway. She couldn't be, you know, built more differently. She's got long, lean legs, you know, I don't know, lean legs. 
And, but I went to that for some reason, instantaneously. And I imagined that I was her. And I, was, I just got out of that pool, Rachel, like I was a supermodel. It was so weird how the image in my head affected my body. And yeah. I walked back to my chaise like the queen of friggin' Sheba. And I <laughs> lay there. And within seconds, the sexy badass walks by me and he looks at me and he winks and he goes, hi. <laughs> and I said, hi. And then he walks back to the And the next thing you know, one of the waiters comes over and he goes, Somerville, uh, that gentleman wants to buy you a drink. And there started the beautiful love affair. It all started because I switched that. I went to some fantastical story in my mind and my mind affected my body and my energy instantly. And I, hey, I was super attractive in that moment. So it's a, it's a, it's a thing that people can steal. Your mind is all powerful and it is affecting everything. So use it. Tell it a new story. Like force it to tell a new story. Lie to it and see what happens. Your body's going to respond. Okay. I love that story. As we wrap up, I kind of really want to go back to just because it was so mind-blowing for me. And I think it's like kind of the next phase of my journey is this reframe of almost, I'm like embarrassed to say it because I'm so still like in my, you know, greenness, but like sex as an adventure, sex as like personal growth, sex as like, you know, a spiritual activity. So to kind of open up to the intuition part and the standard part and like learning more about myself and experiencing myself through this journey. I just kind of want to finish up on that age because I feel like it's so transformative and it's so important to really like, you know, nail down. I don't know if you have any other examples that you can share or tips or thoughts, but I think that would be really fun to talk a little bit more about. Yes, absolutely. So you know what they say in business and in sales, go out and see how many no's you can get because every no gets you close to you, yes? Yeah. It's the same sort of thing. Have fun with it. Just go and flirt and be your fabulous, amazing self when you're feeling confident and you're doing all of those things that help you to feel good. Just go out and just, just go, go and have a flirting day with no strings attached right? And the more you can do that, just go about having fun and getting out there and yes to dating apps, yes to every opportunity, yes to people who invite you somewhere, yes to be, be you know, going for dinner in beautiful places, all of those things. I know that you, you are like that. You're the person who takes opportunities, you travel, you say yes to things. And when we put ourselves out there and we have this approach of who cares whether it, it, it connects or not, I'm just going to go and see how many no's I can get and have some fun flirting today. You know, it's just, it's, it's playing, it's looking at it as a game because it is. It's not meant to be anything more than a game until such time as you are in a committed relationship. I mean, even then, one has to really work at making sure one has fun. It's super essential and lots of sex. Yeah, I mean, that's what my whole podcast is about, making love a game. So might as well make sex and flirting part of the game too, right? Yeah, for sure. And it is, you know, sex is so important. The, the most, uh, the strongest of all human desires, as no, no, Napoleon Hill wrote, Thinking Very Rich, is the desire for sex. And it is the one that drives our behavior more than anything. And it is a very real thing. So I think first and foremost, making peace with that, realizing that it is a very powerful human desire that we have, that it is natural and beautiful and wonderful. 
and that we actually get to experiment with it and have fun with it. And as long as we keep those things of high standards and no expectations and, and responsible, not sensible, we can really get the benefit of it. And you will feel like that spring in your step. But you know, I had a client once who had a, a, a one night stand with a, a much younger man. She was in her forties and he was like 20 something, I think. And uh, she said to me, she said, why is it that I feel so empowered? And I said, well, it can do that. And she said, why aren't you shouting this from the rooftops? I said, well, I am kind of, I'm trying to tell anyone who'll listen that it is very empowering, empowering thing if you are in control of your thoughts and emotions and do what we've talked about today. It can be extremely empowering and fun and enjoyable and amazing. And you do it without compromising your standards or your responsibility. I love that. Okay, so last question. You gave us the five, um, what did you call them? Superficial? The aces of sexy. Yeah, you gave us five. There are two more. Do you want to tell us what those two are? So there's, well, there's sensuality and then there's, there's also spirituality. So spirituality is, is actually, to me, the most important part of everything. But that's not a, you know, those aren't um, uh, shallow ones. Right. Shallow, uh, you know, yeah. th- those, are the, those are the more advanced ones. So um, actually, you know what? As I, I said sexuality in the first one. Sexuality is part of sensuality in the seven S's. And actually, the other one is surroundings. Because when we clear out our, the other shallow one is surroundings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we clear out our environment and we declutter and we get our surroundings on the same plane as a woman who has high standards, as a person who lives a life in a certain way, it can be hugely important and and affect how we feel about ourselves. When we're living in a mess, our cupboards are untidy, we've got a bunch of shit we don't wear lying around. This can be such a shift. And, you know, I've had amazing things happen when I've decluttered and I I don't have clutter to begin with because I'm such a, you know, I, I like neat things. But uh, there's been some amazing things happen. I remember I did like a $150,000 deal the next day after cleaning out my closets. I, I let go of an affair that I was having the next day after cleaning out my closets that, that I'd been trying to let go of for a while. And um, so it can be very profound because you mentioned earlier, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And it is true. So whatever's falling short in your life out of the shadow things, fix it and you will find a much deeper change start to take place. So surroundings is the other shallow one. And then spirituality and sensuality, which is also tied to sex, are the two more advanced ones. That's a very good, you know, um, things to kind of focus on and work on energetically. So I love, I love having the masculine to-do list. So thank you for that the structure. <laughs> You're welcome. I really appreciate you giving me time today because that was amazing. You are so welcome, Rachel. It was so much fun for me. Anytime. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Wow. So I'm really feeling this. My lovers have been my greatest adventures philosophy, but hmm, how do I find a lover? Lover. Lover sounds so much better than booty call, doesn't it? Yeah. I want a lover. I want adventures. I want like little mini romance novels, like a whirlwind weekend romance. So where does one find a lover? Well, in Jackie's story, she was at a fancy hotel in a foreign land. That's the stuff romance novels are made of. Of course, I immediately start to think of all the places I'd love to travel that might have fancy hotels in which 
I might find myself a lover. But then it hits me. Rachel, you live in a foreign land. You live where people come to vacation. And duh, the guy from Arizona that I've been texting was out here for vacation when I matched him. I start to get excited. I don't have to go anywhere to find a lover. I don't have to plan a trip. I don't have to spend any money. I don't have to wait. I can go look for a lover right now if I want to. Something I used to do a lot, but haven't really done much lately is hang out in fancy hotels in the area. This is actually a trick I learned from mine and Jackie's business coach many years ago. She shared a story about being on vacation and finding her first high-paying client at a fancy hotel. I've actually heard many coaches suggest spending time in fancy hotels. It's kind of a quick hack to feeling abundant. Go to the lobby, get a coffee or lunch, bring your laptop or a book, and just soak it all in. You don't have to be a guest in the hotel to enjoy the energy there. The vibes are free. I used to go to the Ritz-Carlton in Dana Point a lot. I got married there and I have a card that gives me free valet parking. So I used to try and go down at least once a month. It's been ages since I did that though. I don't know why I stopped doing that. I should definitely plan a day to head down there. Although there are so many good hotels in the area, I start running through the list of local five-star hotels in my mind. Okay, it's decided. I'm definitely going to plan an outing this week and visit one of these hotels and find myself a lover. This feels really good. Hubba hubba who? I decide to put thoughts of lovers and hubba hubba out of my mind and start to get ready for a play date that I'm hosting at my house. But not more than a couple hours later, while I'm lying by the pool, chatting with a friend, watching our boys splashing in the pool, I get a text. It's from my friend Svetlana, or as she wants to be referred to in the podcast, the Russian doll. Svetlana, I mean the Russian doll, is the wife of a good friend of mine from college. She and her husband are actually the reason I visited D.C. way back in the very first episode of the podcast. And so they're kind of partially responsible for this whole podcast. Anyway, I haven't seen or talked to her since then. So I was pleasantly surprised to hear from her, although I shouldn't be surprised because the universe is always listening. Her text reads, hi, Rachel, it's Svetlana. Hope you're well. I'm coming to Dana Point for a conference at the Ritz-Carlton and wanted to see if you could grab a drink or dinner. I'll be there for a whole week, and I have an extra bed, too, if you want a little getaway. Um, a free stay at the Ritz-Carlton? Hello, lover. I text her back immediately. Absolutely. How fun. When are you coming? Tomorrow, she says. She calls to give me all the details. When we hang up, I walk up to my bedroom. I grab my black bikini and my laptop and throw them on the bed. I'm about to crash a convention of lawyers, and conventions are notorious for hookups. I hope you loved that episode of Love Before 100. And actually, if you did, I'd appreciate it so much if you'd go leave us a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast app. And then be sure to come back next week to find out what happens next and to help me cross another thing off my bucket list. (laughs) 